All right, so we're in the zone now. In Joe zone. Nolan, and join. Uh, we're this is the Art Fight Podcast, and this is episode. What is it? Season two, episode seven. And uh, we're here with Chris Zydek. 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 Yeah. I never asked you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what you, come on, what do you say? What do you say? Zydek? Zydek. Yeah, the Czechs. It's Czech. They mm. pronounce it Zydek. Ah. That's too weird for here, so Zydek. Mm. Check yourself. I want to go to Prague. I've never been there. Me either. It's supposed to be beautiful. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who's uh, a really good photographer who took a bunch of photos there. And it's I've only photos. heard good things about it. I want to go yeah. too. So yeah, Art Fight Podcast, Season 2, Episode 6. Chris Zydek. 7 or 6? You just oh, 7. I think so, yeah. Should I look it up? Yeah, this is a strong, <laughs> strong start we got going on right now. I used to do this when I introduced my old podcast. I'd always get the number wrong. <laughs> It'd be like 117, like three weeks in a row. <laughs> All right, Sensei Joe, you just played a couple of shows, didn't you? I did, yeah. Two played, two nights in a row. I played, um, well, I played at Fond Object on uh, Thursday, and then I played at uh, D's Country Cocktail Lounge last night. Yeah, well, how was that place? It's awesome. Have you ever been to Mickey's over yeah, uh, that's uh, Trinity Lane in Gallatin? Yeah. So that's the same, uh, at least some of the Mickey's people are involved with D's and it feels very much like this. It feels very much like Mickey's, which is a high compliment. Mm. But then it's just got, as I like to say, Brian, it has now take Mickey's and then just sprinkle some rhinestones on it. Uh, (laughs) That's D's. Because it's like there's actually a a nice small stage in there. Good sound. I mean, the sound on stage last night was fantastic. Cool. Yeah, really good. So definitely a cool place to play. It's the first time I played there, but I've been there to see music a bunch because it's just a few blocks from my house. Yeah, I saw your um, your sort of uh, you had this kind of rat a tat sort of spoken word bit that you were opening with. That that's right, really amazing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, that's like uh, my that's not my second record, Brian. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's it becomes one of those things where it's uh, I'm not saying okay, look, I'm going to say something here, and you're not going to the immediate assumption is not going to be good, but I'm going to a positive place. I so we didn't start the fire right okay <laughs> all those there's all there's a category of song that has like like a bunch of sort of liggity split kind of mm. fast running semi-complicated yeah or uh, like that rem verse R-E-M, I was yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> in the world if we know it or whatever yeah yeah, yeah yeah exactly there's like there's a handful of songs that are in that category probably like yeah. five really strong ones and uh i'm not saying it was like that but it was like Mm -hmm. that where it was impressive uh that you were putting it down because it was all very uh well put together it it was you were you're doing it well uh the only difference is that this is like more i think of this more as like a spoken word thing because i'm literally not singing (laughs) you know (laughs) but still there's rhythmic cadence and yeah for sure you know inflection it's it's not performative i think it's not very you know i think it's it's cool because it sort of throws people off like all of a sudden like in the middle of a show where there is three or four singer songwriters, if you do that, you're completely somewhere else immediately. That's, you know? yeah, no, that's so good. I like to start the show that way because suddenly people pay attention because yeah. what the fuck is he doing? Right. <laughs> so like, in, yeah. in, in the so the combat sports equivalent would be like you're the you're the guy that just runs out and throws like a, a spinning wheel kick. Yeah, right. Like totally. in the first three yeah, seconds like of the Verdum, fight, for doom, like flying, <laughs> flying, you know, jumping front kick or whatever the hell he's did side kick. Right. Some folks call that rap. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. exactly. And, it's, and to me, it's not 
it's not a very it's it's a unique thing in the setting that I stick it in, mm. but it's not a very unique thing in the sense that it's like it's I mean what the musical part of that is like super jazzy so it's like I'm doing like poetry over jazz which is like fucking a cliche basically right <laughs> so you know it's, it's been done so, yeah big time but I like that everything's stuff. been done yeah it's true it's true and I just for some reason I, I think I was like listening to a lot of Tom Waits or something at that time because it's got a kind of Waitsy sort of uh. you know you know nightlife kind of vibe happening you know yeah. what I mean so it's kind of smoky yeah, I mean, again, it's yeah. like another like cliche thing. But if you can do that well, then you can do whatever. You just got to pull about, it off. Or it's about context. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just about context. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and part of it is that, you know, if, if I it's do it It's a contrast in, in the context that you were in. Yeah, so in exactly. that way, it's effective. Yeah, yeah. If you were like trying to book yourself as that, that right. would be a different. Yeah, like, if I was fighting <laughs> Israel Adesanya, I, oh, yeah. it's like, okay, no, you can't win that game. But you can pull it off against, uh, you know, against uh, Eddie Alvarez or something. Yeah. <laughs> that guy is, he reminds me of like a, like a baby John Jones. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, he's intense. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, he's, he's definitely going to be uh, interesting to see where that all goes. But yeah, so, um, and then, uh, you know, Chris here, uh, you just did the, um, uh, you, you well, you just did the mural at the Hutton Hotel here in Nashville, a big one. Oh, cool! Mm-hmm. Um, a, t- a challenging one, but a tough one. Sure was, yeah. Um, from what I I could see and gather, and what I experienced when I was down there for a minute. But um, but yeah, you and Moby. Uh, so the Hutton Hotel is what uh, I guess that's like West End, kind of a midtown fancy pants part of uh, Nashville, I suppose. But nice. in a good, you know, but in a there's still kind of I think some vibe over there because it feels like older streets or something like in a way yeah I don't know how to explain that like there's not a bunch of tall buildings quite yet in that part so it's kind of cool but anyway but this this mural was basically it reminded me of like uh, like uh you know, me and Joe Green coming through the tunnel in the in the football stadium and the Coke commercial in the in the eighties mm-hmm. or seventies, whatever that was. I'm just dating myself here. But anyway, <laughs> um it looked like a tunnel where like a fighter or like a uh is like a, an exterior ground entrance to this tunnel that basically leads you into their event space, I guess. Is that right? Yes. And so yeah, then it was like so they were painting all, you know all along this this span but uh anyway so I went over there and checked it out and so it was, the mural yeah, is inside cool. of a tunnel is that what you're saying yeah, yeah okay. it's there's there's the that sounds cool entrance on the sidewalk in front of the Hutton on West End and it has these wrought iron gates mm-hmm. they're locked and that's the entrance to their new venue analog oh, inside okay. on the second floor um that I also did the mural for the back of that the performance space that's inside right. it. Right, yeah. a little shout out to myself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Um, that's, that's why now, I got this job, was, yeah. was through my contacts that I made there. Yeah. But yeah, it's like mm, 100, 120 feet mm-hmm. long of this like very gradual uh, grade up mm. with like- A concrete ramp basically with there, railing on either side. There's stairs, but they're, yeah. they're weird. They're very, <laughs> wide mm-hmm. deep mm-hmm. and infrequent yeah and random and we did a mural on the left side coming up that's like about 70 feet long cool is it like a design or is it more like figurative is it like a scene of some kind like mm. describe it Every, to me <laughs> <laughs> everything besides scene okay yeah it's design and figurative so okay. moby my buddy in town who's also a muralist and fine artist um he is known for his figurative mm-hmm. work, kind of like photorealism. 
really expressive yeah Mm -hmm. uh and he he did this woman's face and hands uh with like illustrative flowers around Mm -hmm. it like very illustrative not realistic by Uh any means and her hair is like super super long it's like flows up the entire ramp Uh cool and in her hair i painted in negative space like all these intersecting circles with patterns oh, inside cool. of the the rings mm-hmm. it's a cool contrast to have you guys work together because he's really on the absolute other side of the spectrum of what you're doing and yes. to see how it works together is really it makes sense i think you guys really like have a nice way of fitting your work together yeah we're we're working it out slowly i guess you kind of have to Mm -hmm. um we got another mural we're gonna do in manchester tennessee when i get back from new york cool how many um like when you do something like that do you i mean how much of a plan do you guys go in there with in terms of what you're gonna do pretty final Mm -mm. yeah um like full-on renders you've made yeah is my bag over there i don't know um oh no it's over there no, that's mine. That's yours. Whatever. All right. Yeah, I'll okay. show you. I'll show you later. Okay. But we. You work it all up in Photoshop or something, or Illustrator yeah, or something. We well, I went to uh, Miyagi. Uh, I went to Moby's house <laughs> uh, before all this, and he had an iPad Pro and an eye and an eye pencil, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh my god, I need that because mm-hmm. I've always been uh, a desktop, Apple Tower, mm-hmm. two screens, Wacom tablet. Mm-hmm. You know that's how I do my my business, mm-hmm. and this is a game changer. When I was mm. in graduate school, we had Wacom Cintiqs mm. in two thousand nine, two thousand ten, and they were monitors that you drew directly on. Oh, cool! And it felt like kind of rubbery watercolor paper. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to describe the yeah, texture good, of, of the screen. <laughs> yeah. So it had some resistance, or it did have resistance. There's yeah. a, a definite texture to it, but it felt like like rubber too as in like it Grip, wasn't grippy in a weird yeah, way it wasn't solid there was like some some play in mm-hmm. it I, I love that i never experienced that before and it was great and then i kind of forgot about it and then seeing him do his mock-ups on the ipad there's a big difference drawing on a tablet looking straight ahead of you at a screen than there is drawing directly on the surface that you're seeing your stroke on right sure yeah and it's it's I never thought about it before, but yeah. it's kind of odd working on a tablet looking ahead of you, not looking at your hand while you're working. Yeah. Looking at the cursor on the screen instead. Mm. Yeah. Kind of like non-intuitive. Yeah. And I'm, and I, so after that, I was like, ah, fuck it. You know, I'll go on Apple and buy a refurbished, I, you know, iPad Pro, write it off, obviously, but. It's a write off. It is, man. Everything created is <laughs> a write off. Yeah. That's, that's a big deal when you're a freelancer, right, man. Yeah. Like, you, things matter. Fuck the man. Yeah. yeah. Get what you can get yeah. out of it. Um, so I've been working on that now. And so we had a back and forth on Dropbox. That's cool. With the design, you know. Right. I, yeah. So you guys could just edit it and send it to him and he could add yeah, stuff it, and there send were it back. Working cool. files. It's yeah. Awesome. This app called Procreate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that you can paint in, and so we would, you know, send. And are it back you actually and forth. working on a space that's like set up to scale, essentially, and all that? Yeah, stuff? roughly, roughly. roughly. Yeah, Enough, we, yeah. we we took rough measurements of it, so we mm-hmm. had kind of a a decent idea of our canvas. Yeah, that's cool. to work on. So yeah. yeah, that's really rad. You know, I think sometimes, uh, 
you know, some I, I think sometimes people don't realize, like when we had our, our friend uh, James Perrin here a couple weeks ago, he, he does these abstract paintings that are just crazy. Great but, episode, by the way. I listened to it. Oh, thank you. So he, he um, uh, but he, in that episode, he talks about how, like, every layer of those paintings is is literally a layer in a Photoshop file that where he's building this painting up. Right. T- almost completely before he ever even touches the fucking paint. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like, it's, it's, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of amazing like how much work can go into things that you don't actually, you don't, you're not aware of the, the, the amount of effort that gets put into this thing before you even show up to do it. Oh my know? God, so, that's everything. Yeah. Film, mm-hmm. yeah. music. Mm-hmm. Everything. Yeah. I'd speak from film, from personal experience, working yeah. in the film industry for like seven years here. Um, I had no idea before I got into it what, I mean, you see the credits and you're like, wow, it's yeah. a lot of people. Right. But it's kind of like saying, oh, that picture of that nebula that Hubble took is one light year across. <laughs> yeah. And it's yeah. like, oh, okay. Got it. Okay, got it. Cool. Got it. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, no, you, you, you can't really comprehend right. that. There's no point of reference. Yeah. You know, put in like 16 hour days and getting your scenes in or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And like film. Yeah. You're putting in like, you know, minimum, minimum 10 Mm -hmm. hours. Usually it's like between 12 and 15, Mm -hmm. you know, for multiple days at a time to make a music video, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, so well, I don't know what we're talking about now. Oh, oh, the the, the paintings that he does. And I, I like his work because Although he, titles in art is tough, like how to how to categorize sure. art, because uh, he you know he's abstract. Mm-hmm. I guess technically I am too. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know how to describe my work. I really don't know how to describe my work. But it's funny because his, you're, his dealing, like, you're dealing you're dealing in abstract, but you're also dealing in a very refined, pointed, abstraction display or like it's, right. it's very people usually associate abstract with sort of vagueness but there's nothing vague about what you're doing so anyway no, but, and yeah. and he, he his paintings are, are like they're rendered mm-hmm. with some you know you see it's that he would say that he would get tired and like you know kind of throw things on it or whatever mm-hmm. after a while but there you can tell that they're they're rendered mm-hmm. he, he has a background in knowing what he's doing painting and yeah. not doing the you know the Pollock thing and getting wasted and just throwing paint and dripping mm. paint on a canvas or whatever mm. yeah and Moby bringing him back around talking about that when we were painting the mural about abstract talking about how to, to describe my style and it's like, I guess it's abstract it's like yeah but I think of abstract as being more of a I might butcher what he said but like more of a technique Mm-hmm. It's like abstract is more of like the expressionism is how mm-hmm. he thinks about I see, it. Yeah, it's the application of the paint, right, rather than the outcome uh-huh. of of the art. But that doesn't help me in how to describe my work. So it's a, it's like a, it's more <laughs> the method than the medium. Yeah, yeah, in your application, yeah, or yeah, method, sure. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That that's his. That's Moby's interpretation yeah. of abstract, and I kind of agree with that. When I when you say you're an abstract artist, in my mind, I go to you know, someone in overalls, like just fucking covered in paint and <laughs> slopping paint around, finger painting and yeah. moving it around, and which is fine. Do your thing, right? You know, whatever you know is cathartic for you. Mm-hmm. But that I, you know, I, I prefer things that are that are rendered. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I, I think that Eve's Klein had the best the best uh, abstract gig ever because he would just basically cover women in blue paint and then have them <laughs> wriggle and writhe over pieces of canvas and then just choose the some guys get it all figured out it's like like uh like maud 
and Big Lebowski. She goes swinging in naked, uh, yeah, like we'll right. slap paint on me, you know, yeah, and yeah, come yeah, back yeah. and then swing back through. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think that. Um, I think that what's funny too is that you're, you're talking about the assumption in your brain is that you're saying abstract immediately triggers a, a vision of Pollock like sort of throwing paint, action painting, that kind of thing. For me, right. But I feel like there's also like half people when they when they hear about abstract they just actually go to just absolute uh sort of modernism or mm, like geometric you know <laughs> yeah like cubist or yeah. um or even to the point of like you know barnett newman or something mm. where it's just you know panels essentially mm-hmm. or you know not even necessarily a lot of brushy anything going on like minimalist right. stuff yeah so i think that some people's brain goes in which i think is interesting because one is so neat and refined and right Minimal, and then the yeah. other is so wild. Hundred percent chaos. Yeah, hundred percent chaos. But they're really assigned to the large, like an art historian would would say. Well, this you know, here's the sequence of movements, and here's how they were interrelated, and yeah. you know, they could sort of break it down. But to the average person, they're like, oh, you mean modern shit? <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. like, mm-hmm. and then they go, their brains either go to like Pollock or Barnett Newman. Yeah, it's funny. There's not many things like that. Yeah. Like, like if you if you said it like hey what do you think about uh you know rock and roll and then like people say <laughs> one person i guess you could say like a person that is, associates rock and roll with uh like i don't know uh, napalm death or venom or <laughs> slayer or some death metal or uh-huh. norwegian black metal right right i guess they some people would think that's and then other right. people would think it was like fats domino so right I, don't know. I was gonna say fats domino <laughs> really <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Or, or Nickelback, or, <laughs> or Nickelback, fucking Nickelback. Right. <laughs> Things that could be vaguely categorized as yeah, the same. Exactly. Yeah. Rock and roll is a big, big, big word. It's another umbrella term for <laughs> yeah. you know this this vast territory mm-hmm. of of uh, it's like it's like a uh, uh, a constellation of appropriated things into a new thing that becomes high enough of a generalization. I think for enough people to then accept. It's like stuff just kind of bubbles up to that that layer or something, and yeah. then it kind of codifies in some way. Right, and then they go, okay, and then rock and roll is just the, the, even the 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 verbiage of it yeah. sounds sort of like I don't know, I, I can't. That doesn't seem like a I white never, thing I, or a black thing or a. Yeah. I never say rock and roll. Rock and roll. Right, but <laughs> it sounds like some kind of shitty cafe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's remembering a time right right yeah. yeah that really only happened for about four years I'm gonna be <laughs> up in Michigan uh, in a few days and we're staying at a hotel that has a sort of like it seems like it's sort of a poor man's version of the of the um, like uh, what's the what's the music um, uh, venue downtown not, not Planet Hollywood but the uh, oh, uh, Hard Rock Cafe yeah yeah so oh. it seems like it was like a poor man's Hard Rock Cafe it's called Wooly Bullies oh yeah it's all like music themed so you look at the, the menus all full of like rock star caricatures yeah <laughs> there was a place like that where I grew up it was called in North Carolina there was a place Rockola 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 ah. Cafe man yeah Rockola Whoa. sounds yeah that sounds good they it had is. great onion rings remember they also when I was a kid they had um Chris and I are from the same hood, generally yeah. speaking. Mario on the tabletop version. Oh, shit. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Remember Man, that? Yeah, Rockola. That sounds was, good. That was like the place where, for whatever reason, if like if you were 16 and you were trying to get a girl to meet you somewhere, then basically, and you didn't want it to be the mall, and you, you were just trying to get to that next 
What is the? How can I be alone with a girl in public? Yeah, right. <laughs> when I can't drive, but I, or even yeah. a, you know, or whatever. Yeah, and that's that's what I remember Rockola being. It well, was that's, like, that's, I, that's funny. When I was going to Rockola, I was you know we're I'm a bit younger than you, um, but I was like a child going to Rockola, and when I was a teenager, I think that it finally shut down in High Point. Mm-hmm. Just, I'm getting to something here. So, <laughs> you say you take would take girls on dates to Rockola. Across the street from Rockola, roughly, was Carolina's Diner, uh, uh, and that's where I would take girls and friends to hang out yeah. because you could smoke inside. Yeah, and I was a way for me to go away from my parents so I could sneak cigarettes. Yeah, and also hang out with people. You know, uh, which it was funny. It's across the street from Rockola, so yeah. same kind of purpose. Yeah, same same hood. Yeah, it, I think it's there's nothing like that f- that feeling of just your uh, your initial individuation as a person and like your emancipation from your parents, just to the, even the slightest degree, to where it was like. Remember how that, those moments, right? Like where you when you were the the like when you get first get your driver's license or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just that feel like that is a rush. I mean, your baseline hormones and everything else are already putting you into the stratosphere of weirdness mm-hmm. anyway. But oh, then, yeah. But then on top of it, to experience, for, like, we take it completely for granted, but I remember what that felt like to just, mm-hmm. I remember just being at a stoplight, sitting in the car, being like, I'm just driving this fucking thing. Yeah. Like, nobody's in here with me. <laughs> <laughs> and I can go wherever the fuck I want to go. Can't and, tell me shit. Yeah. Besides, and, I can't go, I can't be out past nine. And yeah, I, yeah. I can't go to the neighboring town. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. My parents will find out. <laughs> yeah. They have ears and yeah. eyes yeah. everywhere. Tried that. Man, I'm, <laughs> man, I'm totally free. I can do anything I fucking want till nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But, but still, it was. It was a big deal. Powerful yeah. feeling. Like, that was such a big fucking deal. That was... I, I, my skin almost tingles when I sort of think about it because it was, it was. Uh, I mean, I, I was at a, I was driving a 1983 Toyota Tercel. Mm. It was pretty sweet. 95 Grand Cherokee. Oh, nice. That was my whip. Damn. Yeah, Laredo. <laughs> That's nice, man. So yeah, it was great. Joe, <laughs> what were you driving when you first turned 16 and got your license? By the way, can you fucking believe that you can get your driver? Like now that we're old, looking at people that are 16 driving cars. Should not. How the? You're how like, does that happen? You're roughly ten years from your brain being finally developed. Yeah. For for males. Right. Like you don't even have a fully formed frontal lobe that right. governs yeah. your sense of consequence and actions. Not yeah. even. You're like two thirds through it. Yeah. Yeah. You're. you're That's like, crazy. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> it's not till like you're out of college basically by the time your frontal lobe I, is I all sutured together, isn't like, it? Yeah, 20, yeah, 24, 25. Yeah, yeah, you're kind of... And I really do think there is something to be said about that. Like, I, like when I was in my 20s, I noticed that... And I mean, part of it's just socialness because of the fact that people, you know, if they go on to college or whatever, then it's like, that's its own little bubble world and it takes a couple of years to sort of get up to speed about who you're going to be as an actual person, not right. in school anymore, you know? But it, but it always seems like around like, like 24, 25, all of a sudden you'd notice that like, Oh, people kind of got their shit together. It, 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 all, it all turned out okay. <laughs> More or less. Sort of. Sort of. <laughs> I think there's always some part of you that's always going to be that 16-year-old kid that just got out into the street for the first time. You know, I like, hope it never yeah. dies. There's, yeah, there's something. You know, I guess be it just a, amounts like to rock just, and roll. Like being <laughs> like rock and roll. Yeah, that's, man, that's, that's some powerful powerful stuff to to be independent yeah. for the first time and then oh and then the next car i had was a uh, 64 corvair um Ooh. it was it was a, a turbocharged 
convertible with no seatbelts in it. It wasn't even manufactured with seatbelts. This is the car that made Ralph Nader famous that, you know, brought about seatbelt laws. Showing your age again with bringing up Nader. Nader. Mm. Nader, what's up? That wasn't the, the Pinto? No, that was the gas tank situation. Oh, what was and this? That, that led to, I think, five mile an hour bumpers and all yeah. that stuff. What was, what was the, wasn't that a Nader thing though too? Probably. Because okay. he was all about safety. and Yeah, and yeah. automobiles, right? I yeah. got a Pinto story. Oh, yeah. Seventh grade. So the engine's in the back, right? I don't recall. <laughs> okay. It might be. Engine's in the front. Oh, it, it was is. just that the gas tank was like essentially the back of the car. Oh, the gas tank. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So it was yeah. like people were getting rear-ended and exploding. And they were super <laughs> yeah. cheap, too, I think. Anyway, so seventh grade, <laughs> my homies and I, we, had the, we were in pre-algebra together, which is like a higher a higher class for seventh graders. You had to kind of get tested to be in this course. Mm-hmm. And my two buddies, Darren and John and I, hated our teacher, Miss Stoney. Stoney. Nice. Single, <laughs> 30-something woman. Ugh, uh, whatever. I won't get into her personally. Yeah, but right, she, let's leave her out of it. She drove a fucking Pinto. Mm-hmm. A yellow Pinto. I respect her for this. I mm, mm. <laughs> and so one day the three of so us. So far, I smell protagonist. <laughs> the, one day the the three of us picked up the front end of her car and spun it around like ninety degrees. In place. Yeah, because she she had her classroom in a, in a trailer at our school. There's like multiple trailers outside of the annex building. So she was in a trailer. So her car was in a place where it's kind of specific just to have a car there. It's like yeah. a one space thing. So we like kind of we picked up the front end and spun it around. They're super light. Yeah. I guess or we were just really strong seventh graders. <laughs> <laughs> but we turned we turned around so she, she had a hard time getting out of there when school got out. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. She must have been totally confused too. Just like, what? How the fuck did this? Well, happen? fuck her. She, <laughs> she, she, she killed my love of mathematics. Oh, just, my dad talks about this because he worked at the high school neighboring mm-hmm. in the same multiple acres of land. The middle school and the high school in the same area. Mm-hmm. He worked. He was a physics teacher at the high school next door, and he said he was teaching me algebra in the ele- in elementary school, like roughly the you know the ideas of algebra, and I sure. was doing well at it. And I went to this classroom. And as this any seventh year old, seven grade year old boy, I couldn't focus very well. Yeah. And she kind of like beat that into my my friends and I that we shouldn't be in this course and she oh. she failed us all. It's like my first failing grade ever. And it was for a long time after that too. And after that I thought that I wasn't good at math. Mm-hmm. And my dad was fucking furious. I found this out like a couple years ago mm-hmm. about this. And he was like thinking about maybe taking action with like the superintendent mm-hmm. on this because like that obviously level. her her technique of teaching children was flawed. Yeah. I had no idea until, like I said, a couple years ago. Yeah. I'm, 30, I'm 33 now. You know, like you say, but, when you get into those higher classes, when you're when you're in middle school and stuff like that, you're 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 in those classes because you've qualified to be in those classes. So correct. the idea that somehow you're getting a D and you're not don't belong there that doesn't make any sense. No, it's a, a failing of her. I get. I mean, I don't. Obviously, I didn't do my job <laughs> in the in the class. Ford you know, Pinto but, weighs two thousand pounds by the way. <laughs> between, solve for between, x between, between yeah between 2,000 and 2,200 pounds depending on i guess on your your options well, so I guess three guys 
a thousand pounds. Just spun it. We're gonna pick three up the times whole thing. X equals a thousand sulfur X. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what they go for now. I mean, you know, looking at them now, I think they kind of just they seem kind of cool. What I wish is that a lot of those original color palettes were still yeah. sort of happening for things. Ooh, that I, I do like that with uh, Jeep and like Toyota. Like now they're new ones. I mean, look at that, sweet. Oh yeah, that orange is beautiful, man. Right? It's, it's a lot of it to me is about the as much the design as much as the design. It's about the, these color palettes that they just don't make anymore. Well, I, I like what jeep and toyota have done with their their you know their suvs obviously with jeep and the trucks and forerunners with toyota is they don't have like the bass boat uh metal fleck in the paint oh they're they're not flat because they're still gloss but there's none of that sparkly mm-hmm. nature to them i i really like that just flat but it's not i, I think of flat as being a finish like matte that that's yeah. a finish yeah yeah, yeah. but th- there's there's no metal fleck bass yeah. boaty so reflective nature really to consistent it. yeah i like that a mm-hmm. lot yeah i think generally i i like things that are just less dazzled or be dazzled as mm-hmm. a rule <laughs> me too like, I, I don't need anything tricked out with shiny things no i'll wear like, like earth yeah. tones like only exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everything should just be diminishing you know yeah it's it's funny how like the older I get, the more that becomes the case. Like if I wear a shirt that's like red or green or something, I feel like, okay, I'm having like, this is a day right now. I'm having I'm gonna a day. party. Yeah, like I'm, <laughs> I'm out there right now, man. <laughs> you know, I, my I, red shirt. Yeah, I just wanna be invisible. That's all I ever wanna be is invisible. And generally that works. I mean, a lot of times I, I think I might be slightly like a sidler because I can sneak up to people pretty easily without meaning to. So there's that. I'll walk quietly as well. The Gremlin, look at this thing. That silver Gremlin. Gremlin or Pinto? On the left side, look at that. Oh yeah, the Gre- I forgot about the Gremlin as mm-hmm. well, yeah. Yeah, unbelievable. What a great name for a car. So cool. Yeah, I'd, I, I- And the Barracuda? Yeah, see? Another great name? I guess every generation romanticizes about what was manufactured 30 years prior to wherever that generation is in mm-hmm. time. I, would, like, I don't know, but maybe I don't think in the fifties people were looking at cars from the twenties. I still like, love. Oh, I still like how everything looked like a wagon. I remember when I was a little kid going to school, like grade school, like and when I was still in Detroit, so like less than ten when I was like seven and eight, and I would see like the Corvettes from that era and like how badass those were. Those were fucking awesome Corvettes in the seventies. Yeah. Whew. Those yeah. were something else. <laughs> it's so strange to have like the the we're the first generation of people basically on the earth ever that have been able to be wowed by this stuff and be able to actually have a feeling of either nostalgia or futurism or anything but all through the prism of the the automobile Mm -hmm. you know as a sort of manifestation and experiential you know like it's a there's nothing i don't know it's just an interesting framework that nothing else has had to nobody this is new our brains are doing some new shit right now like imagine you're you're in love with something that you know, or you're you're just enjoying something to so visually and craftsmanship and all this stuff, but you can also get in it and go down the highway and go a hundred miles an hour in it. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's I don't know. It's just that's a multi-layered thrill set right there. Well, and take it off the highway and into a mountain off-road. Right. That's unless it's a Corvette from the seventies. Yeah, well, <laughs> I've been like I'm thinking back to like my Jeep that Your I Jeep, had, the, yeah. the '95 Grand Cherokee it had a. Uh, a 327 mm-hmm. five point 
You had four-wheel drive and all that? All-time four-wheel drive, yeah. like fucking 10 miles the gallon, mm-hmm. big-ass V8 in it, <laughs> you know, and it was great. Just even, It would go anywhere that the clearance allowed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it never, I took it, at my to my dad's dismay or pissed-off nature of me doing <laughs> this, but like, you know, it, I took it everywhere and it performed beautifully until it wouldn't quit leaking oil and I had to get rid of it. Mm. I have similar Jeep kind of relationship. Mine was a, a 77 CJ5 and it had the full roll cage. It was the only thing that was like sort of ridiculously unique about it. But, um, but you know, like the big desert duelers and the, you know, three speed. Uh, and man, that thing, it was, a, it was basically like having a, a tank. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, were you up here on the, on the column? No, uh-uh. It was a weird shifter because you, where where first gear is in most cars, that was reverse. And then where second gear is in most cars, that's first gear. Uh, then where third is, that would be second gear. And then where fourth gear is, uh, for most people, this would be just third gear. Uh, but but the, the ratio of the gears was so funny because it was a straight six. Uh, it was pretty pretty powerful. But it would the, the first gear was for like zero to 2.5 miles per hour. <laughs> and then, and then second gear was for good for like three miles an hour to like 16 miles an hour. <laughs> and then third gear was for Everything 17 else. to 80. <laughs> yeah. So you're just shifting like a fucker until you get going down the street. Yeah. Like, I mean, theoretically I would, you know, yeah, I would start off probably in second a lot too, mm-hmm. but it, it was, it was funny because people couldn't drive it. It was so like, I remember my friends at the time, everybody wanted to drive it and I would be like, okay. And they couldn't, they couldn't do it because mm-hmm. it was so just super manual steering and you know, those tires are hard. It's hard to turn, you know, like you gotta be used to it and know how to use the momentum to get your turns done. And uh. you know, people with power steering get in, into that kind of thing and they're, they got rubber arms, you know, and they're trying mm-hmm. to like crank the, like the car's parked, you know, and they're trying to just like turn the wheel. <laughs> it's like, that's not going to happen really. Yeah. Uh, no, power steering, take that for, uh, for, uh, God damn it. Granted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, I, I, I'm a fan of like the power assisted realm. I like is closer to manual vibe, but not with that kind of strenuous. The what now? So there's like, uh, you know, there's a generation, there's that sort of uh, power assisted type oh, steering. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Where it's not like Cadillac right. thumb on yeah, the steering yeah, wheel. Yeah. I can just spin and but turn the whole car. But you're also not having to put it in a headlock to get it to turn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Or you just feel like you won't quite die. Um, but yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's the, the Jeep experience and definitely like taking it just wherever, man. Mm-hmm. It was really fun. And just having something that was so ruthless. It was such a great, great car. And then, yeah, I think mine had the similar fate. I think, it, I think it was like one of those things where an engine rebuild would have been, at the time for me, prohibitive. And it, you know, it was pretty beat up anyway. It was banana, like a faded banana yellow color. Oh, mine was champagne. Good. Oh, nice. Which is like, you know, sparkly dirt. Really, yeah. is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, and then. Uh, you know, now we're talking, I have my, my 85 Toyota Celica and people either just laugh at me or they just laugh at me, uh, but, but I'm enjoying it. But they like it too, right? People, people notice it. People either freak out or they just think I'm a moron. That's a red shirt of a car, by the way. A what? It's a red shirt of a car. 
What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Like you were just talking about when you put your red shirt on, that's like, oh, oh, that's like the thing that would be like you getting noticed. And it's like, that car is pretty much a red shirt, though. But it's so, but it's, I feel like it's really muted and just kind of <laughs> in, invisible because it's silver. The color. <laughs> yeah. But you look at it, you're like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> but what, I guess part it of It is tiny, too. So it, it doesn't, it's not like it just is ostentatiously so spread out it. across a parking lot or anything. Yeah. That is, <laughs> that is what is so weird about it because these were fairly ubiquitous cars when I was in high school. Like for somebody to have a car like that would be like, oh, they have that car. Like whatever. Yeah. Uh, the same way you would. I don't know. Like, oh, you got a Dodge Neon. Like, great. Or like, whatever. Oh my God, Dodge Neon, yeah. I'm glad your car works or whatever. Um, Chevy Cobalt. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Shout out to the Cobalt. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, but yeah, so, um, so I don't know. Uh, But when you see this, it is, it's super small. And, and, but it used to not be. Mm -hmm. That's what's so, so my, my association with it is like, from when I was old enough to where that was normative. So I still kind of see it as like, this is just an old Toyota that nobody cares about. And then when I'm driving down the road and people are like, DeLorean, mm-hmm. oh, nice yeah. fucking DeLorean. Oh, and I'm like, hilarious. this is not even close to a DeLorean. <laughs> DeLorean. Back to the future, man. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I didn't even know about start that. saying, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah I won't go 88 because it can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, actually, that's it, it funny. Can. People think it's DeLorean, it's funny. So that's yeah, that's that's where it is now. But I I, just, I do think that it's interesting, like just that kind of relationship. But um, but yeah. So uh, and then Chris has a pretty sweet. You got a pretty sweet truck now, and you're gonna be driving it to New York soon, aren't you? Nice segue. Yeah, you like that? Yeah, oh, nice. Man. I do. Yeah, I went to Utah in January, early January. My girlfriend is a resident doctor at Vanderbilt hospital here in nashville oh, cool and she is in the er department so once or twice a year she's awesome she's awesome yeah she's fantastic bless her heart and we met her does. at the uh, at the restaurant at your birthday party didn't we yep mm-hmm. yeah and so once or twice a year they do it's not the right term but it's like an elective mm-hmm. outside of the hospital mm-hmm. if they have enough time to organize it they can go to another hospital Mm. to get experience somewhere else and mm-hmm. to do certain things. So she went to Park City, Utah, Salt Lake City to do more uh, orthopedic work of broken bones mm-hmm. and stuff because she's they get kind of uh, moved around in the hospital because Vanderbilt has so many specialties in it that are uh-huh. like high end that she doesn't get to fix as many broken bones as she would like because mm-hmm. it goes right to orthopedics rather mm-hmm. than going through the ER first oh, that would kind of triage that. So she went out there to do that, and so I took my dog and my Ford F one fifty, and we made our way across the country. And wow, at this a, point, I was yeah, I was looking for a, a four wheel drive truck, and I finally found a Tacoma, which was what I wanted in Kansas City. So I traded in my Ford and I bought the Tacoma, and then my dog and I got in the Tacoma, and we, you know, peeled off to Salt Lake City. Cool. And I seems like the first place you would consider would be Tacoma. One would think, <laughs> like what? It, is it like a, a mecca? Is it like a mecca for, <laughs> for Tacomas? Tacomas are actually they're, they're built in Texas. <laughs> yeah, they're awesome. Yeah, they're great. I, mean, I have a little four banger. I wish I had a six, six cylinder. But the only thing bad I don't like about it is getting on the highway. Yeah. It's kind of hard to, time it to to get to a quick speed. Yeah. Or high speed quickly. I used to have a four cylinder uh, Nissan pickup, and that was 
like timing things would sometimes be hard because of the fact that it's like I cannot go fast quickly. <laughs> I can go right now. I can go right now, but it's going to take me a second to get up to 65 yeah. or 70, you know, the torque is great though. Yeah. And the, and the smaller ADR. engine torque is yeah. better. And I yeah. like the, uh, I liked it. My, that engine lasted forever too. I sold, I had a lot of miles on that truck when I sold it and it was still running great. Um, but they, but it was just sort of, I mean, it was almost like the engine won't stop, but the rest of the truck was just sort of falling apart around it. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully my kid will drive it one yeah. day if I have a kid. Oh, I, I, well, this, I'll want it for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah there you go. That's cool, man. Somebody's got a, a yeah, there should be a, a lineage. And yes, I am driving it to New York. Yeah. What's late, going on there? In late August. I what's, have a, what, Yeah. What's going on there? All right. So I haven't announced this yet. This will be my official announcement. Boom. Yep. Uh, I alluded to it the other day on Instagram. Uh, but I have a solo show in New York and Brooklyn on September 6th oh, at cool. Third Ethos Gallery up there. And so awesome. <clears throat> I'm currently in the middle of painting all these pieces for this solo show. And I'll be driving them all up to New York in late August. So this would be a show like in the gallery. This won't be like a mural project or something like that. Correct. Oh, yeah, cool. it's just a gallery show and just my you, work. Are you painting? What do you paint when you do that? Do you paint on panels or what do you paint on? I prefer birch panels uh-huh. over canvas. Cool. I I use compasses and rulers and bunch of pencil and I erase a lot. And if I were on mm. a canvas, I would shred it. Yeah not just by my use of tools, but also like I tend to lean on my work a lot mm-hmm. and like have my elbow or wrist be like a, a pivot point and axis right. to do yeah, line work. Yeah, you just divot the hell out of that. Yeah, and, and you're making yourself a compass. Yeah, yeah, and if I, if I was on a canvas, I would dent it or shred yeah. it, you know, so I prefer a panel. Mm-hmm. And you can, I, I tape things sometimes. Yeah, very, it's, yeah. it's rarer than it used to be, mm-hmm. but looking at stuff to taping better mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. got it that's cool yeah so uh, where do you get birch panels uh if you can't if you can't if you don't want to give up your source I totally oh no get, no <laughs> i got a, uh, i got a birch guy <laughs> most we'll call him tony <laughs> most wooden panels are birch i don't know why i never looked into the reasoning but i guess because they're pretty light you know is it finished no. Okay. I there. It's like a natural wood grain, unfinished, and then, you know, what I'm doing, I'll either paint the whole background one solid color, or I'll use a specific clear coat to mm. seal it. Yeah. So that it doesn't take more coats of paint, because it takes. I learned my lesson that the hard way. With every with everything I've done, I've learned pretty much by myself. Uh-huh. And so you seal it first, then you don't have to put so many layers because the wood isn't eating your paint. Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, and the yeah. paint that I use is uh, very uh, the term like liquidy. I don't mm-hmm. know, uh, not viscous. Mm-hmm. It's very thin. Yeah, um, and I do multiple layers of that so they can be as flat as matte and non-textured as possible so oh, it's almost like a like a, a print uh-huh. that's kind of how i want the end product to look interesting there's like no distinguishing marks of painting uh-huh uh, are you actually using a brush or what, it, what yeah. how are you applying it okay you are using a brush. all brush uh-huh yeah so what is the what is the impetus for making sure that it doesn't show any brush work 
it's just something that I it's just want. an aesthetic or is it yeah or is it me. deeper than that like sort of taking yourself out of it in some way or I don't know no I it's I like the way that looks yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. awesome yeah. Um, <laughs> and in some circles that's called the uh, the super flat mm-hmm. movement uh, Takashi Mirakami mm. uh, Dalek um I, a buff monster there's a, a a number of artists that paint in a way that is like this flat almost like printed mm-hmm. look i see about it yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's like very very opaque mm-hmm. colors and very clean and like no texture mm-hmm. so kind of like how we prefer auto paint no bass boat <laughs> no, right no flex no <laughs> None of that bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Pure. Yeah. No, and it's not a popular way to apply paint. Mm-hmm. And, that's I, what, and that's what they were saying when they were doing the 72 Pento. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Look where that is now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's that's really cool. So this place in Brooklyn, what what's, uh, uh, tell me what the gallery is like. I've only seen pictures of it yeah. from their website. Have you looked it up on TripAdvisor? No. <laughs> how did you get? Uh, how did you get? How did you get a show there? Um, Brian Greif, who is one half of Nashville Walls Project, who kind of got me heavier into the mural scene in Nashville than mm-hmm. I had previously been. He's like my Nashville dad mm-hmm. and manager, sort mm-hmm. of, but but neither. Dadager. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> we, we love Brian. We had Brian on when you were in Arizona, Joe. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah I remember He that. and I were on here together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brian's the man. Chris is our first repeat guest, by the way. Hey, oh, yeah. Hey, shout out hey, to yeah, that, man. Yeah. 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 Nice. But now you don't have that pesky Brian Greif around complicating yeah. your, uh, mm. your conversation sphere, bro. He's so important. Yeah. So he's, yeah, shout out to, to Brian if you're listening, drinking beer. Hopefully having some jerky or whatever you're doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some jerky. yeah, paps and jerky. Paps um, and jerky. So when I did the Elliston mural by Exit Inn in Midtown, it got uh, published, mm-hmm. I guess you could say, on a couple websites. And one of them, streetartunitedstates.com, the guy who runs that helps curate a gallery in Brooklyn, although he lives in Boston. Oh. And he reached out to Brian, I think, about doing a show. I see. And it was originally talked about doing it in November. And I was like, hell yeah, that's a perfect time. That's like, I don't know, seven months, something mm. like that, to prepare work for it. And then Brian called me later and was like, oh, it's moved to September. <laughs> so it was like, I don't know, maybe two and a half months. Mm. And my work takes forever. Mm. It, I'm very meticulous in my work, and you've got other projects going on. So that's, I can see what you're under. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's I'm been thrown though. It's good. Right? Thrown into the gauntlet. I prefer working like this. Yeah. I, I would rather it not be such a short amount of time. So mm. that I think the only thing that's, I'm not going to say that. Uh, I wish I had more time to hash out like. Um, very specific designs right the application's fine i'm happy with the work that i'm doing don't get me wrong i, yeah. I, I love this new series i'm doing only no, this geometric is part of it work. i think it's interesting for people to hear because it's not like 
people think of album releases or gallery shows or these things as just these happy, easily harmonious sort of culminations of work that get just sort of funneled and released to the public. And it's like, yep, and this is all... Like, no, this, this is a continuum that you're trying to wrangle for right. like a moment in time. Yeah. But it's that's, and like, yeah, here's an opportunity. And can you do this in about half the time you'd prefer? And it's like, uh, less, yeah, so less like, than half the time. You oh, yeah. yeah. So there's, 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 a, there's a native underlying uncertainty or sort of questioning that I think everybody should, would would realistically do. I think for me, anytime I know when if I'm if I was working on like a music record I was producing or something I just we get to the point where I'm like I can't stand listening to this anymore and so that's why it's done because <laughs> mm-hmm. I've just worked through every yeah. bit of romance and detail with the whole thing to a point where I just I'm I don't care anymore I can't yeah. do that with mine they're yeah. they're so, so that's good my de- designs to painting are so specific yeah. that it's just this process of like layers that have to get done one before the other and it's not done until the last layer has been laid down. Yeah. I can't, with like going back to this like abstract thing in earlier in our conversation, I guess, you know, if you're like just kind of throwing paint around and smushing it and finger painting and being yeah. gestural and, and expressing, you know, your physical self upon a canvas, you make, oh, I like where this is right now. I'm going to quit. Yeah. Mm. You know, and mine, it's like, no, it, it's obviously not done. It's more of a construction. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like screen printing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like you have to do multiple layers to finish the print. Mm-hmm. And mine's to do multiple layers to finish the painting. Yep. Without the final layer, that's the composition isn't there yet, right? It's not. It's not cohesive. Yeah, or, yeah. It's not especially because talk a little bit about uh, sort of sacred geometry and how that because you're doing these this the. The, the effect you're talking about with the layers right now is like that's that's exactly what the um, uh, challenge is I think when it comes to uh, like being able to like how do you just because of what you just said right like you're pushing paint around or you're you're rendering something you're constructing something with like, a bunch of gray area in and between with a bunch of gray area in between but you're doing it in a way where there is this final key that sort of unlocks all the other sequences that are sort of underneath it or whatever and I just think it's interesting that we're not just talking about like arbitrary shapes or things that you're coming up with uh, but you're actually dealing in uh, very specific forms and geometries and it's informed by things that are quite specific yeah I it's not sacred anymore um <laughs> Man, that's a good album title. I <laughs> <laughs> should call the show. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm still thinking about it. I don't know what I'm going to call a show yet. Um, but, so, I went to graduate school on a paper. I got into graduate school with a paper I wrote about the geometry of crop circles. <laughs> People don't believe that when I tell them. Where'd you go to grad school? ETSU, East Tennessee State. Yeah. In Johnson City, Tennessee, and so while I was there, and before I was there too, I was, I was deep. I, there's no, I don't know, a better adjective to put to how thick into sacred geometry that I was. Mm-hmm. But when I got to graduate school, <laughs> you know, you you get some money when you start the semester for supplies. I forgot what it's not, not per diem. It's called mm-hmm. something like a Pell Grant. No, it's not a grant. It's part of like your loan, mm. but you get it like you get like a check 
mm-hmm. to go to the bookstore and get your right supplies yeah. and things that you need for research and shit. So I bought every single book <laughs> that I could find in the world on sacred geometry with the, all of your that, school book money that even mentioned it. Yeah, over the two years I was there, I bought every single one in publication, which wasn't much. It filled up a shelf mm. on my bookshelf. So I'm not gonna say that I, I mastered it because it's not something that you can master. It's an ongoing thing. It's, it's more of a philosophy than it is an actual practice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a practice too. It's kind of hard to describe in that manner, but the, the gist of it is you're using very simple tools, a compass and a straight edge. I'm in a rule where you don't even measure anything with like true sacred geometry. It's a, a straight edge without markings on it mm-hmm. and a compass and uh, your pencil. And then you, you, you recombine and you expand and then from like points and vertices and edges, you make new shapes with the things that you've drawn. And that's more or less very simple term, sacred geometry. And I did that for a long time. And so I kind of got the idea of the things you could make with it, the tessellations, et cetera, et cetera. And since then I've kind of relinquished the like the, the skeletal system of sacred geometry, like, like mm. the, the the need to draw, you know, f- fucking 20 circles with like 800 lines connecting <clears throat> things to right. make a really simple shape in the middle of it all. Uh-huh. That's kind of what it came down to. So I kind of understood the shapes that were made out of it and the process and whatever. So I've now kind of pushed the the process of sacred geometry aside and now I'm going with just just geometry mm-hmm. in general that I find aesthetically pleasing or interesting or kind of mind bending or psychedelic. Mm. It'll kind of fuck with you a little bit. Mm. And now I've added transparent elements to that. Like it looks I've been working on like opacities, you mean? Yeah, like this like kind of solution with like my mixture of paint and mediums to make it like Huge, but very transparent. Mm-hmm. So that when you put it like a stripe of this transparent over like black and other works, it looks like it's kind of clouded, mm-hmm. you know, but the, the color's there. You can definitely see through it. So with that element too, things are getting like deeper mm-hmm. and fucking with your eyes a little bit more, which is what I want. I want, what I really want people who will buy my work or like my work is to not get tired of it mm. quickly is to go back at it and see new things and yeah. see how things connect and their interlocking nature and yeah. and everything and I don't want people to get bored with the work I want them right. to have something new to see in it two years from now I'm like oh shit I never noticed that that mm. this is connected to that or this goes through that it's actually like this dimensional aspect of this section so I, I work really hard to make every painting as perfect as I can, whether it's a complex concept or not. The application, the rendering process for me, I try to make it as perfect as possible. And some people that I've met and friends too kind of criticize that about me, but you I don't care what they say though. I, I do. <laughs> you know they they have good points like artist friends that are like well established have told me like you need to loosen up some I'm like wow but this is kind of like what I'm going for is to get even more (laughs) perfect right you know it's it's not it's 
it's a it's a mixed bag with my work. It's not just that, is that because you think that people are, that are more uh, further in their careers understand perhaps that it's just about economy of scale of just time versus output versus for more, sure more iterations and just more sort of viability through speed um, yes in the marketplace of uh of of that work yes and yeah. i don't give a shit about quantity right not saying that like that working quickly and that you can get really good and work quickly and have very high quality work of course it's about the design mm-hmm. ultimately of, anyway right yeah of course i'm not saying anything about that at all um or negative about that process but mine i want the application and the technique to be almost as important as the imagery itself mm-hmm. and I want that to, this just sounds kind of crazy, but I want it to like live on after if possible. Mm-hmm. If I die, I would like, you know, the way that I apply paint and the means that I do it to to live on mm-hmm. because I, I did it well. Mm-hmm. I know that's crazy. I'm still working at it and I have, I'm, I'm at my infancy now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I finally found a style mm-hmm. that I've worked hard at, at getting and I'm now comfortable with that and i'm just now moving forward so like i said i'm the infancy yeah. of, of this but i i want that, to get but better. so that doesn't mean that you, you could easily sort of through experience time alterations changes progressions uh you could easily get to a point where you realize probably some things that help you just i mean anything you do more than if you do something enough you just get more efficient at doing it and it doesn't diminish the quality of what you're doing yes and I love when I'm doing murals painting around the people that are also painting murals because you learn things from them I learned a lot from Ian Ross when he was here I helped him paint in Mm -hmm. the Gulch a lot and I learned with Moby on this last well, and the Elliston mural, he helped me on that a little bit towards mm-hmm. the end. And, you know, obviously we worked the entire time together on this mural at the Hutton Hotel. And I learned things from him too, just application wise. Because mm-hmm. we have very different styles of art, but application is application and technique's technique, you know, and, and people can teach you things. And I, I am open as I can possibly be to any of that. Mm-hmm. I don't know shit. You know, in the grand scheme of things, I really don't, and mm-hmm. I have I have no problem admitting that. You know, well, it's ultimately human because there's just only so much that anyone can really realistically perceive or delve into to fully understand. Or... Well, some folks sure think they got it figured out. <laughs> 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 I I don't. Yeah, you know. I think that's one of the themes that we always come back to on this whole thing is just like being, uh, being willing to pursue something that you don't understand and you don't know anything about and not being afraid of the fact that you like, you know, it's like, Oh, I'm going to fucking completely wipe out on this probably, but I'm going to go ahead and learn how to do it anyway. I'm going to, I'm going to let myself not know how to do something so I can learn how to do it. Uh, or, you know, when you've, you know, let's say even gotten to a point where you feel on some level as if you've mastered something, somehow finding the perspective within that to say, I can still approach it from the point of view of a beginner and I can still find fresh new ideas and inspirations, even though I've been in the midst of this, you know, practice of painting or music or whatever it is for years and years, perhaps, you know, I think that applies to like nearly everything in life. Mm -hmm. 
where it's like changing your oil in your car yeah. or like re-roofing your home or putting down new wood flooring yeah. or, or, or patching a hole in your drywall. Yeah. You know, any of that, it's like you've been around it your yeah. whole life and you kind of understand the general idea of mm. how it's, how to, you know, how to knock out this task. But until you, you throw yourself in mm-hmm. like, Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know anything about this. Right. And then, you yeah. know, you fuck up and you got to fix it. And <laughs> that fuck up that you had for me anyway, are always so lasting. Like mm-hmm. my, my fuck ups, uh, I don't like calling them that really. Yeah. You know, it, because I, those are my best learning experiences yeah. and they stick with me. Mm-hmm. I don't forget things that I've done wrong. Right. Yeah. It's like when you're driving, like if somebody, if somebody just, uh, if you, if I got in the car with Brian right now, and we went somewhere I've never been before. I would have no fucking idea how to get back there. <laughs> but if I drove, I would, I would probably mostly remember it because I did the driving. You know what I'm saying? So yes. once you do the thing yourself, you know, then you, you, you remember the, you remember, you remember it. You know what I mean? Once you're in the situation of like, oh my God, that was like, I have no idea how to do this thing. I got to figure it out. Then it's like, oh, I got that down now. Patch the drywall. I'm your man. I'm sure there's, <laughs> there's some term and some sort of yeah. uh, psychological, uh, physiological means of the brain that would, there's some definition for that. Yeah. Something yeah. About I'm not the guy to ask though. Yeah. My girlfriend here, she can, she can yeah, answer that's it. Right. Yeah, that's right. She knows everything. She sure does. Yeah. We enjoyed talking to her that night. It was a fun, uh, fun night meeting all those people. So, um, so Chris, can you tell us the specifics on your show so we can kind of get the word out on that since you were kind enough to break that over here? Yeah. Uh, September 6th, uh, Bushwick, Brooklyn at the third ethos gallery solo show. I will have a number of paintings and also other things to purchase. I want to have things that people of of any income can walk away with something. And a lot of shows I've seen around town and other places don't have that. They only have original paintings and not not everyone can walk away with something physical from that show. And I want to, I want to, uh, fill that void yeah it's smart man that's great um do we get first dibs of course (laughs) (laughs) um but it's so awesome so um and uh that's september i'm sorry what sixth september september 6th bushwick and what's the name of it again tell me the name of the gallery third ethos third Third ethos gallery i like that name bushwick yeah well congratulations man thank you big deal thank you yeah, I can't wait to see you. Like, uh, you know, I've seen some glimpses of what you've been able to sort of show, and like, it looks it looks pretty pretty great. Thanks. I think that you're gonna. I think that this compression of time is gonna be awesome. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm not saying you'll be happy about it, but I just know that it'll be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, Joe Nolan, do you got any other shows? You keep playing shows every night. What else you got going on? I have on? a show coming up in in August, but we'll get we'll we'll talk about that later. It'll be a couple weeks, like three weeks from now cool and then um yeah and we we talked on the last one about uh how we both are invited to this pecha kucha thing so we'll have oh, more updates right, yeah. on that have you yeah. have you planned yours out you I, haven't yours d- yet? I haven't done anything yet no. all right perfect so <laughs> is that <laughs> drug related <laughs> it sounds like it, it sounds yeah. like some ayahuasca it's basically like a ted talk with slides yeah and it's like this kind of regimented format that just speeds you through these slides that yeah and so brian and i both have photography projects that focus on like uh, the urban uh, subjects and so 
There's a new show at the Frist Center that's about architecture and photography. So they're doing a night of presentations, and we've both been asked to uh, be a part of it. Interesting. Congrats, yeah. guys. That's we, didn't even, awesome. we didn't even realize it until we were actually talking just the other day in here on the podcast. We were like on the podcast. And he goes, like, I'm doing this Petra Kucha thing. <laughs> He's like, what are you doing? Oh, you know. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it'll yeah, be, cool. be fun. But anyway, all right. So thanks, dudes. Uh, let's We'll keep it going, but uh, just not anymore on the mic. Uh, thanks for coming out, Chris. It's yeah. been awesome. Thank you for having me. Sensei Joe. Ciao. I'll see you this week. We'll, we'll, I'll tweet you this weekend. We'll tweet the fights. Eddie Alvarez by knockout. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>